Thank you for joining us for the Life Point Podcast. We believe what you're about to listen to will help you experience life change. So let's jump into this week's message. Well, once again, good morning. We're pumped that you're with us. And I uh, just wanted to explain a couple things about our day. Um, let, let me back up just real quick. Um, you probably know this by now, but a few years ago, our church went through a really rough time. And after navigating through all of that, we discovered that we needed to have a uh, a better connection, a better network with those outside of our church because we're we're an independent church. And through some God dots and God events, God led us to being connected with Gateway Church in the Dallas, Texas area and the Gateway Church Network. It's been an awesome thing for Pastor Diane us and our staff and our church. And over the last few years, we've had some different members from the network that have that have stopped in and been a part of our services. And so this year, as we were praying about some things that God wanted us to do, we really had it on our heart to have what we were calling just a night where we um, just let God speak prophetically to us. And I was on the, on the phone with one of the network members. I said, do you know anyone? And they're like, hey, we do this all the time. So we have some guests with us this morning uh, for that reason from Gateway Church. I'll introduce them, then I will introduce our speaker. They're right up front here, and this is um, Pastor Mallory Bassham. <laughs> Pastor Josh Briscoe. And some of, you, some of you might remember Pastor Todd Boltz is with us. <laughs> um, his wife is actually from Charleston. Uh, he spent some time there on the church staff, and so we're we're honored that they're here with us. And tonight, I know some of you may not be Sunday night people, but I want to encourage you, urge you as your pastor to make time to come out tonight at 630. They have been praying and seeking God. Um, and so we're going to have a night where they just uh, release God's word over our church, over uh, the lives of people who God might direct them to give some words to. You know, God gives us direction. Amen. He, he confirms things to us. And so um, trust us, none of us are weird. We're not going to do anything weird. Um, but we are going to let God release his word into the atmosphere over our lives. So um, next week's the Super Bowl. There's no excuses to not be here tonight. The Steelers aren't in the Super Bowl anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Um, but um, I, I encourage you, make time to come up. We're only going to be about an hour and a half, but it's going to be amazing. They've already shared with us just some things God's doing. So um, make sure you come out tonight. But this morning, we're going to have the honor of having Pastor Mallory be our speaker in service. So why don't you help me welcome Pastor Mallory from Gateway Church. Thanks, Mary. Appreciate you, brother. Oh, wow. Uh, uh. Good morning. So I just want to start out and tell you this, and you just have to believe you. Believe me. I love you. I really love you. When Pastor Aaron said that we've been praying for you, we have been praying for you and joining our faith with you. And we know that you guys have been fasting and praying, and we've been doing the same thing at Gateway Church. And we are just excited to be here. Um, I bring greetings from Pastor Robert and Pastor James from Gateway Church. And we are so honored to uh, connect with Pastor Aaron and Pastor Diane. So I just want to say to you all, thank you for inviting us. Thank you for having me, like a chick, in the pulpit. And... and 
I'm just so honored to know you. We have the opportunity to meet a lot of people and meet a lot of pastors and see a lot of churches. And you guys are such the real deal. And you'll know how important that is to me when you hear my message, but being real and authentic is everything. And so can we just honor Pastor Aaron and Pastor Diane? Yeah, I love you guys, and I'm, I'm really super honored to be here. I brought my phone up here only because I'm long-winded. And I have this thing on my phone, it's called a talk timer, and uh, normally I turn it on. I will tell you that about four or five times past when I was preaching, I was in the middle of preaching and I forgot to turn the talk timer on. There wasn't a, a message, you know, there wasn't a in the back, and I'm like, oh dear God, somebody tell me how long do I have? It was amazing. So I'm going to turn that on. If I look at it, I'm not looking at social media. I'm not looking at any of that. I'm just paying attention that you guys get, to get out before you come back at 630. Um, also want to say um, the, the cool thing about today is I know God has something really big because I've been suffering with this head cold. So my voice is actually an octave lower. When I hear myself, I'm like, who's that? that who's that? So um, it's why I have hot tea up here too. So those are all my disclaimers. Let's get into the word of God. Let's pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just pray that you come. Lord, would you use the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart to honor you and glorify you, Jesus. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. So, you know, during Jesus' final conversation with his disciples, he gave them a new commandment. And this is what he said out of John 13, 34, and 35. He says, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. It's the key message in the entire kingdom of God. Woven all through the New Testament are admonitions about loving one another. And, you know, like I talked about, you know, I have a cold, I have this, I have that, and, and we talked about the reality of how um, Pastor Diane and Pastor Aaron are authentic. But for me, what I read when I read the Word of God is that Jesus was the most authentic, real person ever. He did not compartmentalize his life. He didn't, he didn't hide who he was from anyone. He didn't shrink back, and he was never in a hurry. And so the title of my message today is Doing Life Real. I'm one of those practical, down-to-earth, candid kind of frank girls, so I have to be careful sometimes because I just sort of say it, but um, the Lord's going to, he'll soften it, right? So the reason I told you I loved you, right, is just in case I step on anybody's toes, I want you to know I'm doing it with total love for you. Is that okay? We all right? Okay, good. So we're meant to be connected and supportive of one another. Even without the theological argument of one another, we know that life is more beautiful when we do life together, right? The highs and the lows of life are better when we do it with friends. And that's what doing life real means. I've got some friends that I do life with. Honestly, Todd and Lisa Bolt are some of our very best friends in the world. But they, they're the one another's, right? They know all the stuff. There's not compartmentalizing. Like when I'm at my very lowest, they're aware of it. And then they can pray for me and, and us for them. Because the thing is, although life is an independent sport, it is played on teams. We're, we're not alone. 
right? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Peter, James, and John. Well, let's just go for Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Anybody married in here? Okay, you can admit it. This is good. Okay, we have five married couples. That is fabulous. That's great. Okay, well, when you got married, you became husband, wife, and Holy Spirit. It's a covenant of three. It's, not, you're not, it's just not the two of you. <clears throat> we are not designed to live on the fuel of accomplishments, of titles and trophies, of, of things, of gathering stuff. God hasn't created us to gather possessions. We need each other. And so I want to start at the very beginning. In the very beginning, Genesis 1, 26 and 27, God said, let us make man in our image after his likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the earth, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth. And God created in his own image, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God knew deep down inside that every human being needed a relationship, right? The animals were just not going to cut it. Adam needed a relationship. And so he created Eve and thus instituted healthy human relationships. And did you ever wonder when, who God was talking to when he said, let us create them? Let us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Like the very nature of God is relational. The very nature. So point number one is to do life together. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says, the body is a unit, and although it is made up of many parts, they form one body. So it is with Christ. Because the fact of the matter is, if we just look at our physical body, a foot does nothing without an ankle, a leg, and a knee. Like if you break your foot, you're going to either need a cast, a crutch, a wheelchair. You're not going to be able to walk because a foot can't do anything alone. We need each other. So sorry. <clears throat> Lone parts just don't work. Um, my husband and I have some really close friends that started as a prayer shield for one another. And those people, that one commitment to those close friends has saved me countless hours of darkness. Because these are the kind of people that can call me out. These are the kind of people that can, that can tell me stuff, but they're also the kind of people that I trust because I've built relationship with them. So when they say, uh... I'm going to go ahead and challenge you to deal with that a little better. I'm not going to get pouty, defensive, and mad. I'm going to go, oh, man, right? Oh, man, you called me out. And it's, it's what I needed. More than any time in history in the year 2024, we need each other, right? Out there is so, it's bizarre, right? Some of us who are like me, We've seen a lot, and we've seen things we cannot imagine that we would ever see on this earth. So I want to talk about being honest and transparent with one another. But let's, again, let's go back to look at Jesus, because the entire Bible points to Jesus. So what is Jesus saying about this? If we look at Matthew 3, 13 through 15, it says, Jesus went up on the mountain and called to him who he desired. And they came to him. And he appointed 12, and those were the 12 apostles, so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. And so often when we look at this verse, we go, yep, we're supposed to preach and cast out demons. But when Jesus called his disciples into ministry, 
Yes, he called them to do two things, preach and have authority. But what we don't want to miss and what is equally important is he called them to him. Don't miss this part. Part of the calling of a disciple is to be called to Jesus. And I just imagine, like the first day Jesus got all of his apostles together, you know, they're like anxious. Let's go preach, right? Let's go cast out some demons. Let's just go preach the word of God. Let's go heal the sick. And I just, I just kind of feel like Jesus is like, hold up there, Bubba. Just, just come on. Let's hang. Let's just hang for a minute. Let's just, let's just really get to know each other. Because when you go out there, you're going to need some, like, foundation. You're going to know that there's some people here that are behind you that love you that are with you, so that when you go to cast out a demon and it's hard, that you remember that I'm with you. And it's the same thing for us, y'all. It is actually the same thing of all. For us, he had the 12, he sent them out in twos. Nobody did life alone. That's not what we do. Um, and, and the thing is, there's a difference between isolation and solitude, right? I'm an extroverted introvert. So I love all this, and I love the people, but in just a minute, I mean, not a longer than a minute, I'm going to be like, okay, I've had enough, right? Anybody with me? Thank you. There's my people. But the, the fact of the matter is, we have to remember that in solitude, it's where our soul becomes healthy with God. That's where we connect with the Lord, and he sort of like can just put everything back together, right? But in isolation, we are a ploy for the enemy. In isolation, that's where he can come and get us. Remember, we lose perspective in isolation that there really is a battle. The battle never stops. There have been times in my life when I thought, like so many things happened, what more could happen? And you're like, whoop, don't say that because more can happen, right? But, but the, the truth of the matter is we are in a battle. And when we're isolated, we lose our perspective because the enemy's best strategy is to get us alone, right? We, I mean, think about what, Ma what uh, Jesus did in Matthew 18.10. There were all the sheep, and he went after the one. Why did he go after the one? He had all of 99 others, right? He knew that that one is susceptible to manipulation and lies and being attacked. And so we have to remember that we're sheep, like we're sheep. We have to stay connected to the good shepherd, and we have to stay connected to the rest of the sheep. Because sometimes I might want to go off, and one of the sheep's like, no, no way, sister, you stay in here. You stay in here. And so we just have to remember that isolation breeds selfishness and being self-absorbed. And there's nothing in the Bible that talks about the value of being selfish. Nothing. So everything we do is based on the quality and the amount and the connection that we have in our lives. So point one was do life together. Point two is to bear each other's burdens. So let's look at Galatians 6, 1 and 2. I think they're going to show it. Maybe. I don't know. Um, but I love this in the message. So listen to this. Live creatively, friends. If someone falls into sin, forgivingly restore him and save your critical comments for yourself. You might be needing forgiveness before the day's out. Stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. Share their burdens. And so complete Christ's law. Share their burdens. And you know, throughout your life and throughout my life, there are inevitably 
challenges and burdens that I cannot handle all by myself, right? There's, we need support of one another. And I'm just, let's just talk about burdens for a minute. And so there's emotional burdens. Like I just can't, I'm, I'm so overwhelmed by the loss of my dad or the care of my, my aging parents. There's mental burdens. Like I need help trying to figure out how to get the project off dead center at work. There's um, physical burdens. I, I cannot get the couch upstairs by myself. I mean, I'm really strong and all, but I just can't do it. And then there's spiritual burdens. I just can't hear God. I feel like my prayers are hitting nothing. And the common thing about all those burdens is we need someone. We need someone to link arms with. We need someone to gather with to say, you can do it, who will pray over us, who will encourage us, who will walk with us, who will say, who will like open the Bible and say, come on, who will gather and just believe with us, who we can borrow faith from. I mean, sometimes there's been moments in my life when the burdens have been so big and I just needed to borrow faith. Like I just, can I borrow some of your faith? Sometimes I need to borrow hope. Sometimes I need to borrow trust, but if there isn't anybody that I've linked arms with, then I'm the sheep alone, isolated, and I'm, I'm just fodder for the enemy. So I want to give you an example of, of when you are uh, having a burden, and it's from Exodus 18. So, you know, Moses took the children of Israel out of Egypt, and now he's judging everybody, and the guy is worn out right? So, the, so on the advice of his father, Jethro, he, he reorgs the Israelites. And so what he does is he finds other people who can help him. He finds other people of character, honest people who love God, whose hearts are pure, right? And when we talk about character, that's what you do when no one's looking. That's character, and so he had to find those people. There's a book called Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership by Ruth Haley Barton. And she says that the only way that Moses would be able to remain faithful to his calling was to share the load with other spiritual people over the long haul. And y'all, we're all called. Like you might be sitting here thinking, well, I'm not called. Yes, you are. We all have the call of God on our life. If you said yes to Jesus and you gave your heart to the Lord and he covered your sins and he renewed your life and you now have eternal life, you are called to be a disciple of God. And so Moses had to find people that he could do life with that would help him because being faithful is so important. Because, you know, when you're carrying a heavy burden, you're so susceptible to being manipulated, to being taken advantage of. So just for example, like if I had this, a big box right here, right, and I'm carrying this box. Now, the box is big. You can't see it. I almost was going to ask you to bring a big box, but like that's just too much drama. So big box, right? I can't see in front of me, and I sure can't look behind me. And I can barely look to the sides because I'm just making sure I don't fall, right? But now if I bring Diane and Aaron, and I bring Josh and Todd up, and somebody's got the front and the sides, and then somebody's making a way, I, I'm not susceptible, right? We're going to succeed. We will get that box to where it goes, right? But I can't do it alone. I have to do it with other people. I have to do it with other people that I trust because vulnerability is minimized when you do life together. Now, I want to talk about burdens, right? We talked about emotional, mental, physical, spiritual, but 
You know what else another word for burden is? Hardship, worry, anxiety. That's a burden. And what happens is we can get lulled into believing that we are the only one. We can get lulled into believing that we can't share. And so what I want to ask you is, what secrets do you have? What about your life can you not tell anyone? And I just want to say, y'all, that is the enemy's favorite ploy. Because you may be a church leader. You may be the amazing parking attendants out here, just for the record, were awesome. But, I mean, you may be in a, in a, in a leadership position. You may be the only one in your block that's a Christian. You may be on staff. And you got stuff going on that you can't talk about anything, anybody with. And I just want you to know that's a ploy of the enemy. Because what you need to do is find somebody you trust. You've got to find somebody you trust because James 5, 16 says, confess our sins to one another. Y'all, no one expected. Jesus did not expect us to get saved and be perfect. Because that's why he put John 5, 16 in the Bible. Confess your sins to one another because he knows we're not perfect, right? We're covered in righteousness, but we still are imperfect. Like, it's a, it's a process. The Christian I am today is not the Christian I was 41 years ago. It's a process, but I'm far from being where I want to be. And so the truth of the matter is, our public walk and our private talk have to match. It has to match. There can't be a gap because what that does is invites the enemy to come in. It invites the enemy to, to whisper in our ear, to say things to us that you just can't tell anyone that. Like, if they knew that you were in church and then you went home and drank a case, they would look at you different. If they knew that you were in church And in the afternoon, you turned on your screen, and you looked at stuff you weren't supposed to look at. And you're a female. The enemy knows how to isolate us. We're visual. And in this world of social media, in this world where we have every single thing at our fingertips, do you not know that the enemy is trying to use this to isolate us? I mean, we, we like things on Instagram. We like things on Facebook. We look at things on TikTok. We think we have friends. Those are not your friends, right? You can like them all day long, and they can give you a little heart, right? Those aren't your friends. The friends are the ones that you go to their house blubbering, crying, and saying, like, God, will you just listen to me for a minute and then tell me I'm wrong, right? I mean, like, just, just tell me. Those are the friends when you say, like, man, I screwed up. I was in a meeting, and I gossiped, and I slandered, and I did all these things I didn't want to, and now I don't know how to fix it. It's, it's the honesty. It's the vulnerability. It's authenticity because that will bring me closer to Christ. That's the thing. So James 5, he's talking about the power of prayer. And in verse 16, he tells us to confess our sin to one another. But it goes on to say, this is my favorite thing, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman availeth much. I say it in the 
you know, that's how I memorized it in the King James, availeth much, right? Okay, it's powerful and effective. But you realize that you are sitting next to a righteous person if they have given their heart to the Lord. It does, righteousness does not mean you're perfect. Righteousness means you are covered in the blood of Jesus. And when Christ sees, when God looks at you, Christ's blood has covered you and you are righteous. And then this verse tells us that that righteousness is powerful and effective. But if the enemy can shut your mouth and say to you, don't you dare. You know what you did. You know how you looked at her. You know how you looked at him. You know what you looked at on your phone last night. You know that movie you watched. And why are you smoking all that stuff? That's what the enemy does. He's like, you, you have no right. You're just, I mean, he says all those things to us. But if we can say to somebody, hey, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and do what that sassy female preacher did today, and I'm going to tell you some things I'm struggling with, and I'm going to trust that you're going to go to the throne room of God with me and help me overcome this because I want to be a woman of God, a man of God whose prayers are effectual and fervent. We've just, we can't pretend. We're way past pretending in church. We cannot do it. We just cannot do it. You have to find people who will listen to you, correct you, who you will allow them to correct you. Who in your life can correct you? Who have you invited in to say, you know what? Whatever I'm doing, if you see me do something, I want you to tell me. Like, honestly, these guys on the front row, they know, like, they just know because we have a culture that's a gateway. Like, if I do something up here that they go, oh, sister, like, next time leave that story out. Like, that's, no, no, no right? I know and I can trust them. They want the best for me. They want the best for you. They want God to be used through me. And so when you're talking to somebody else, let's say you're somebody and they, they come to you. Instead of being shocked, can you just put your arm around them and, and pull them close and then ask God's mercy and graciousness to be upon them? So point one is do life together. Point two is to bear one another's burdens now, point three is buckle up your seatbelt because it is forgive one another. Okay, let's just go there. Micah 7.18 says, Where is the God who can compare with you wiping the slate clean of guilt, turning a blind eye, a deaf ear to the past sins of your purged and precious people? And you know what it goes on to say? Because he delights in showing mercy. God is merciful. He does not want us to suffer. He does not want us to go out there. Well, you stay out there in the wilderness for just a bit longer because you did that, and I am just done with that. He never says, like, uh, you have not suffered enough. You stay out there because do you know what you did? Y'all, we know what we did. We don't have to tell somebody we did it was wrong, right? I mean, it's it's why the two-year-old, I mean, what, what does the two-year-old do? It's in our nature to go, no, mine. Now, it's funny on a two-year-old because you pick them up and go, no, darling, not yours, right? But, you know, on a 55-year-old, when they say, no, mine, that's just not pretty. Like, that is not pretty. That doesn't look good at all. So by our very nature, we're selfish, but we have to make 
we have to take really high ground and forgive because we're dealing with sheep and sheep bite. And if you're mad all the time that the sheep bite, you know, have you read the book, right? Sheep bite. So there's an old analogy that says not forgiving is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. Now, I'm a real bottom line girl, right? I am candid and frank. I have to temper that, you know, because the one another's in my life, they know that about me, and they'll be like, oh, what, is, what are you going to say now? I'm like, no, 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 I'm, I'm going to soften it. I really will. But here's, here's what Matthew 6, 14, 14 says. Now, if we believe the Bible, it says this. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Y'all, I think we forget about that piece. I think we go, yeah, I know we're supposed to forgive, but... Man, do you know what they did to me? They nearly wrecked my life. Do you know what they did to me? It was, it was wrong. And, and the bottom line is, yes, forgiving allows us to bring God in to move in our life so that we don't get stuck in being bitter, bitter cynical, hurt, or defensive. Because you know what? This is what bitter party of one looks like derogatory assumptions, sharp cutting remarks, a grudge that feels increasingly heavy inside you, the desire that the one who hurt you kind of suffers, anxiety around the unfairness of other people's happiness or good fortune, skepticism that people actually can't be trusted, cynicism about the world in general, and being negative, but saying you're just being realistic. The only way out of that cycle of bitterness is to forgive. But I really want to tell you that in forgiving, you're not saying what happened was okay. You're inviting God to enter in and to heal your heart. And again, I, I'm such a practical girl that when I hear messages about forgiveness, and right, we've heard a bunch of them. I can, we can give the theology of forgiveness, and everybody says forgive, but like when it gets right down to it, how the heck am I supposed to do that? Because I still have all this junk in me, like, no, I was wronged. It was not fair. It was unjust. And I need to stick up for myself. No one's going to amen on that one. But here's what I want to say. If you are a person who has been wronged, if you had stuff done unfairly to you, if it was not fair and you were manipulated when you should have been loved and encouraged, I want to say to you, I am so sorry. I am sorry that your reputation got tarnished. I am sorry that derogatory things got out there. I am so very sorry for what you walked through. And if you're a family member of someone who was cut instead of sharpened, I am so sorry. I really am so sorry. But what I want to invite you to do is to allow Jesus to come in and heal you. So I want to share a very, very practical way. A colleague of mine, Pastor David Vestal, shared this with me. And it, it, revolutionary, it, it revolutionized my thought. I'm going to repeat this, but... But here's the thing, when someone has done something to me, and right, if you're 10 years old or older, 
you know, the mean girls did something, something happened. So, like, I would doubt very seriously if in a group this large someone would say, nope, life has been beautiful, everybody's been wonderful, you know, it's just been, you know, God, God sees it all the time. Here's what I say. I forgive them. I forgive myself for the role I played in it if I played a role. I remove myself as judge. I pray for them. I ask God to bless them. And I resist these thoughts. So, like, think about it. Someone has hurt me. They slandered me to my boss. I forgive them. I remove myself. I forgive myself for the part I played in it, if I played a part. I remove myself as judge. I pray God's blessing on them. And I resist these thoughts. You know, the one that really got me, of course I can, yeah, I forgive them. I forgive myself because, oh, that, that's, that, that hits close to home, right? Maybe I had something to do with it. But I remove myself as judge. And y'all, it's so easy. When we've been hurt, betrayed, slandered, manipulated, any of those things, I'm telling you what, I can step right up on the soapbox and I can be the judge of all, right? I can judge them like there's nobody's business. But that's not God's heart. That's not what God did to me, right? When he saw all the stuff that I did, he didn't say like, oh, yeah, sister, penance out there in the field alone. I want you to be alone and, and isolated for a little while before I let you back in with the sheep. He never says that. He, he pulls us to us. And then I want to give you another example because this one was really impactful in my life as well. And Lisa Turkhurst, and I apologize about my voice. I can hear it cracking. Lisa Turkhurst wrote a book called um, Forgiving What You Can't Forget. Now, I just want to say, I could ask for a show of hands, but I won't. Like, how many people, even when I say that, you go, oh, yeah, I got a, I got a couple things. There's that one thing. But, but she really brings the righteousness of Christ into it because she explains that forgiveness is both a decision and a process. Now, y'all, this helped me so much because I would say, like, no, I forgive them. I forgive them, really. Like, Lord, I forgive them. But somehow, when I saw them, I was like, um, you know, like I saw the water pistol in hell t-shirt. I kind of want that. But, like, I was kind of thinking, do I have my 9 millimeter in the back of my? Because I would like to use it right now. I mean, right, did a preacher say that? Like, you can't say that. But, like, there was some stuff that came up in me when I would see that person that I'd be like, mm, this is not godly. This is not godly. I don't know how to get past that. So let me give you another example. So this is what Lisa says. You know, the forgiveness is a decision. It's a decision to um, forgive the fact of what happened. But it's also a process to work through the emotions and feelings that linger. And that's the part I didn't understand. So when I think about it, and this is from her book, she'll, she says, I forgive my friend for betraying me. And what my emotions and feelings do not allow for, the blood of Jesus will surely cover. Right? The blood of Jesus. I forgive my partner for betraying me. 
That's the decision. And what my feelings and emotions will not allow for, the blood of Jesus will surely cover. Because now when I see that person, I see the blood of Jesus. And I'm reminded that that same blood of Jesus covers me. Because as fabulous as I am, you know what? I screwed up a lot. And there's things that I've hurt people on purpose and not on purpose, right? Because we're all moving spiritual directions. And so what the blood of Jesus does is it sets us free. And we have to use the blood of Jesus because what you do with what they did to you is your issue. It's your issue. It's no one else's issue. So do life together, bear one another's burdens, forgive one another, and look after one another. And I love this look after one another. Deuteronomy in the message, I really like the message because I feel like it's a little authentic, kind of gets to the point. It says, there are always the poor and needy among you. So I command you, always be generous. Open purse and hands. Give to your neighbor in trouble, your poor and hurting neighbors. We need to look after one another because there's seasons in life, right? The, the word of God talks about glory to glory. But you know what happens between the glory? The valley. The valley happens. And sometimes it's dark in the valley. And I need someone to pull me up and say, come on, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. God is with you. We're with you. Come on. And so I love glory to glory. And I would love to live on the mountaintop and have the spiritual experiences all the time. But reality is that seasons of life happen. I'm just going to share really fast um, there was a season of my life when everything went dark. It was years ago, I was still in the marketplace, and my husband, who is the most amazing man of God, perfect husband on earth, I will tell you. Like, here's this. I will say this, too, so you know how, how amazing he is. I could count on one hand the number of times he ever has raised his voice to me and not use all fingers. Now, I came from a sassy loud, yell kind of family. And so, I mean, I think this guy's a prince. Anyway, so we know how wonderful he is. So one time, he has this terrible headache, really bad headache. I was still in the marketplace. I needed to go do a meeting in Dallas because I was leading the meeting. And I and I and I was like all the wrong pronouns, right? You see that. I regret all of those eyes. But the bottom line is, I took him to the family doctor. The family doctor said, no, take him to the emergency room. And no, since I have a medical degree, um, I said, no, test him for the flu. Like, he probably has the flu. So, like, I'm wanting, like, test him because we got to go. I got things to do. We got to get this guy healthy. And so they tested him, flu, no flu. So, okay, now we have to go. They go, oh, you got to go down to this other hospital in Dallas. And I'm like, okay, so I'll just drive him there. And they're like, oh, no, you're going to go in the ambulance. I'm like, ambulance? Wow. I had never been in an ambulance. And it wasn't until I got in the ambulance where I saw the GPS and it said, ICU. And it was in that moment my life went dark. Like, ICU? Like, ICU is a scary place. ICU is where people go when they're not good. And so the bottom line is my husband had a cerebral brain hemorrhage. And if you know anything about cerebral brain, brain hemorrhages, people die. Like, you don't, there's not, there, you can Google it all day long and find out how to recuperate. There isn't anything because people die. And my life was shattered. But in that moment, the one and others came. 
They prayed with me. They brought me food. They encouraged me. They read the Bible to me. They put worship music on. They locked arms with me. They said, we're going to be with you no matter what. They prayed over him. The, the elders came. The pastors came. The friends came. The people that I did life with came. And they helped me in that season. They helped me in that season because in that season, you have to do life together. You, you have to do life together. And the bottom line is, I don't know what you're going through today. I have no idea. Some of you are sitting here and you've got secrets so big you're about to burst. And some of you are sitting here and you're just a little, okay, that was nice. But the bottom line is, Jesus Christ wants to comfort you. He wants to draw you close. He wants to heal your heart. He wants to remind you that you are his. You belong to him. There is no secret too big. There is no sin too great that the blood of Jesus cannot overcome. And if we're going to walk as Christians, then we need to lock arms with other Christians and help them walk this life of love because that's what Jesus talked about was a life of love. Is it easy? No, it is not. But is it worth it? Yes, it's so worth it. God does all these things and he does it with one another's. That's how he does it. Right? We're, we're flesh and blood to each other. That's who we are. We need you healthy. We need you whole. We need you to bring your gifts into the body of Christ. We need you to tell your secrets to someone who is trustworthy. We need you to be authentic in how much you love God. And then as a one another, you need to be open-hearted to those people who come to you, right? Character is what you do when no one's looking. Character is what your mouth does when no one else is around. If my friend comes and says, I am struggling with porn and I don't know how to get out of it and I've been struggling with it for years, what I need to do is embrace that person, pray for that person, help that person, walk along with that person. I don't need to get all high and mighty. I don't need to be like, oh my gosh, I don't know how you'll ever get past this, right? Jesus was never shocked. He was never shocked. He tells his whole word is telling us how to help people walk together. He did it with the 12. He sent them out in twos, right? We have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We have husband, wife, and Holy Spirit. And husbands and wife, I just want to leave you with this. There is a way that you can pray for your spouse that no one else can pray for because you are in a holy covenant. I can pray for my husband with power and authority, right? Jesus called them to preach and to have authority. I can pray for my husband with authority that no one else has because I made a divine covenant with God. Wives, you want your husband to change? Tell God, right? Tell God. He's our source of everything. And so I, I want to just leave you with, with this in closing. I want to challenge you to do life together. I want to challenge you to bear each other's burdens. I want to challenge you to forgive each other and to forgive yourself. I want you to look after one another. Take a step of faith. Walk towards doing life real. And then here's the prayer I want to pray over you. I love this. It's Ephesians 3.16, but it's, it's so beautiful. 
And it says, I pray out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with the power of the Holy Spirit in your inner being so that Christ will dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love surpasses knowledge. And this is my favorite line, and like I love this word, that you be you may be full of the you may be filled with the measure of fullness of God. What if we were filled? There was no room, there was no room in our thoughts, no room anywhere. We're filled with the measure of fullness of God. It is my heartfelt prayer for you. So I want to pray and then I'm going to ask you a question. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the gift of your son Jesus who died on the cross. We don't come trusting in our own righteousness, Lord, but in your mercy. We thank you for Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Forgive our sins. Help us to walk in love with you and with one another. Lord, thank you for all the examples that you showed us in your word and how amazing Jesus is. Lord, draw us to you and to one another today. In Jesus' name, amen. And so my final question for you is, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you right now? And what are you going to do about it? God bless you. Thank you for listening to the LifePoint Podcast. We want to encourage you to subscribe and follow so you don't miss a message. For more information, you can visit lpcwv.com.